church again thank you so much for being with us can we do one thing before anything else i just want us to can we recognize and just show honor to those that work on this praise team and that sound booth that media team just they, they have worked they work so hard they have done so much and we could not do that i don't know if you if you've noticed that uh, we've got a we've got a sermon bumper uh, that we just kind of starts us off but each week it's got different words in there and it's actually talking it's, it's leading up to what we're going to be looking at that week so if you haven't caught on you might put you might catch that uh from now on just kind of looking at the different topics looking at the different scriptures that we're going to be looking at and this morning we've got a lot to cover so i want us to dive right in so go ahead and take your bibles take your scripture journal uh, if you have one if you need one we have extra there in the back you can grab one of those the gospel of john john chapter 1 beginning in verse 19 in your scripture journal it's page 8 and again these scripture journals are a gift to you for you to take notes for their space there's a whole page of, of areas where you can take notes and look at as we walk through this passage and walk through this entire book over the next several several weeks several months as we we walk through systematically through the gospel of john entering into the week of christmas we are going to have opportunity time and time again for us to look at the story that we celebrate this whole season for but i believe more importantly or possibly even bigger for some of us, we're going to have opportunity to understand and to catch a glimpse of our identity, of who we are. Why do I say that? Because you're going to have possibly several different times, and maybe just once, maybe, maybe multiple times. It's going to be different for each of us, but there's a chance that you're going to be spending time with someone in your life that you are looking to to kind of give some hope and give some direction that may have influence to speak into who you are or who you are not. And we can so often let these identities, let these people define us. And as we enter into the Christmas season, as we've been walking through the Gospel of John, I want us to look and find our identity in the one area that is the only place that will give us a lasting identity. And that is in the person of Jesus Christ. We celebrate his birth and we need to understand what that means for us. Because it was it's not just a birthday party we're having this week. We are remembering the beginning of our salvation. And that matters a lot to us. So John chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. It says, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, what, Then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. 
even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after, he, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The takeaway this morning as we dive right in is this. No other message answers the question, who we are not, who we are, and who Jesus is. As we look at the message of Christmas, as we are going to be examining the message of Christmas, we're going to be hearing it and going to be reading it, we see John's account of his declaration, of his message, and we see that no other message answers the question, who we are not, who we are, and who Jesus is. And we're going to break each of those down, those three questions down to see what that means for us. So let's dive right into that. First, we need to see that disciples of Jesus know who we are not. If this message answers the question of who we are not, got it, nice, love it. No, answers the question of who we are not. I promise I'm not going crazy. There was static up here on the stage if you didn't hear it. I know, man, Pastor Andrew's done lost it. Don't it? We, it answers the question, disciples of Jesus know who we are not. Look at verse 19. It says, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? So here's what here's what's going on. John has been on the scene and he's causing and he's got a crowd and he's got people following him and he is new, he's new on the scene and the religious leaders are trying to find out more information on him. So they send out they send out these 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 priests and Levites and these leaders that will go out and ask him questions because they didn't have Facebook. Like you can't just go on Facebook and stalk John the Baptist, right? Some of y'all are really good Facebook stalkers, right? Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you try to you got to find out information on somebody. The first place you go to is what? Social media, right? They didn't have that, so they had to go and actually have face-to-face conversations. Crazy. It's amazing, right? So they go out and they say, "We've tried we're trying to find out who this guy is." So they went out and met him and asked him, "Who are you?" Now that question right there should scare us a little bit. Because that question right there is, is, is one that it is very difficult for us to answer. Because for us to answer that question, we have to take off the mask a little bit, right? 
we have to we have to set aside some facades or set aside something that we have been have been given out we have been kind of proclaiming or displaying for others around us and and if we were to answer that question the way we answer it on social media and well we're this person we're this superstar we got this we got this going on but if we were to set aside and we were really get honest that question gets a whole lot more serious to answer the question who are you is one of the deepest questions that we can ever ask. And I love John's answer. What is John's answer? Who are you? And he says to them, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not. Wait a minute, I didn't ask who you were not, John. I'm asking who you are. And he says, I know, and that's what I'm telling you. I am not the Christ. You see, disciples of Jesus know who we are not. And John declares before anything else, before diving in and trying to answer the question of who we are, John answers the question of who he is not. And this is so important for us to understand. Look at what he says. Look at, he doesn't just say, and John said. No, John, John the apostle in writing this it says, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed. There's an emphasis, there's a repetition here for, for emphasis. There's, a, there's an overstatement for a person. Really what John is saying is saying, hey, I'm not, th- no, he's saying there is absolutely no way, there is no chance, it's not going to happen, it won't happen tomorrow, it didn't happen last week, it's never going to be, I am not the Christ. You see, what John knew was that the people of Israel were waiting for Christ. They were hoping that someone was coming onto the scene that would save them. Save them from the Roman oppression. Save them from the tyranny. Restore their land. Restore them as a nation. And I, I guarantee there has to be something in the back of them saying, well, maybe this is the guy. And John says, no, no chance. You see, disciples with John, as John displays, we see that disciples of Jesus know who they are not. You can actually take this and contrast it to the statements that Jesus makes, which he says what? I am. We've, we've done series on that. We're going to look at that as we go through this book. But there are series, there are statements throughout the Gospel of John where Jesus steps onto the scene and he says, I am. And John comes on and says, I am not. And that's so important for us to understand because many of us, if we don't declare right off the bat that we are not, we easily begin to fall into the idea that maybe we really are. Maybe we really are the Savior. Maybe we really are the individual. Maybe we do have this figured out. And John says, no, I am not that person. They go on and ask, they say, well, are you Elijah? Look at verse look at verse 21. He says, "What then? Are you Elijah?" And he said, "I am not." There's that answer again. "I am not this person." You see, what this may this may seem odd to us at first this idea of Elijah. Why are they asking about Elijah? But remember what happened to Elijah in the Old Testament. Elijah was a major major prophet for the Old Testament, and so major for the coming, of the, the coming of the Messiah that he was going to be the one that would come and proclaim and, pro, and declare that this great day was coming. 
Look at Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. One of the last words of what is spoken to the Old Testament followers. We hear the prophet Malachi say, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Maybe if the people were sitting there hoping that maybe if he's not the Messiah, then maybe he can at least be that comes that comes right before the Messiah. He says, there, we know that this guy is coming. We know the Messiah is coming. But if this is not the guy, that we know that someone else is coming before him. And maybe this is Elijah. Maybe this is the guy that will come and, and, and that God will send before the great and awesome day comes. And John answers, nope. Not me. I am not. He says, are you, what What then? Are you Elijah? He says, I am not. They say, fine, are you the prophet? By this time, they're just hoping for something. They're just hoping to find something that says, maybe this is the guy. Maybe there is the this is the prophet that's come. Prophets declared specific words and even events coming from the Lord. And John doesn't let them put any of those expectations on him. He just wants to preach and prepare the people for the one who is all of these things. Why is it so important that John lays out who he isn't before we begin to see who he is? Before he begins to share, before he begins to declare what he has really come to do? I believe the greatest way that we can understand who we are is by acknowledging who we're not. I believe the greatest way to start discovering who you are is by acknowledging and starting to mark off who you are not. If you want to find out who you are, it's easier to go through the list and say, nope, definitely not that person. Nope, definitely not that. Definitely not that. It eliminates the guessing game. Not just for others, but I think it most importantly eliminates that guessing game for, for ourselves, right? John says, I'm not that guy. I'm not the Savior. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not even Elijah that's coming. I'm not one of the prophets. All I am is just this guy that's talking, that's, that, that's proclaiming a message that I want other people to hear. You see, we have to remind ourselves who we're not. Because if I don't remind myself that I am not, it's easy for me to begin to think that maybe I am. If I don't remind myself that I am not, it's easy for me to, remind, to, to begin to think that maybe I really am. And Jesus is the only one that declares himself right to us, the I am. He says, I am. Far too often we know in our heads that we're not. But we've got to convince ourselves in our hearts that we're not. That we're not. Because in our, in our heads, we, we read that and we go, absolutely, of course we're not the Messiah. Of course we're not the Messiah. But if we don't speak that to ourselves, if we don't remind ourselves that you are not your Savior, then we can easily begin to fall in. Well, maybe I really can do it. Maybe I really can do it on my own. Maybe I really can pull myself up by my own bootstraps and, ta- and take, take on this day and figure it out by myself. And in John, when John declares who he is not, he knows, he begins to know who he is. We're not, we need to understand 
in John's declaration that he is not the Messiah, that he is not Elijah, that he's not even the prophet, he's declaring that he is not in charge. He's not sovereign, and guess what? We're not sovereign. He's not all-sufficient. Guess what? We're not all-sufficient. He's not all-powerful. Guess what? We are not all-powerful. If we don't know who we are not, we will inevitably, inevitably try to steal glory from Christ because we will try to be him and only he can be him. There's so much freedom found when we begin to lay down, when we, be, we begin to be able to lay down who we are not and declare just as John did. J.T. English serves on staff at the Village Church over in Dallas, Texas, says this, you will be able to walk in greater Christian freedom when you have a clear sense of who you are not. See, disciples know who they are not. As John declared, I am not the Christ, I am not Elijah, I'm not the prophet. And finally they say, well, well, please, just tell us who you are. And that's where we begin to see that disciples not only know who they are not, disciples of Jesus know who they are. No other message answers the question of who we are not, but it also answers the question of who are you? Disciples of Jesus know who we are. Look at verse 22. He says, so, so they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And this is his answer. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now he refers back to Isaiah, and he's referring back to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, where he says, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah, in declaring this, he is telling the people of Israel that God was coming. That we need, that they, the people needed to be ready, that God was coming. He was coming to restore. He was coming as the Savior. He was coming as the anointed one. And we needed to be ready and to make straight the way, to prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. John, isn't, John is saying that he's not the message, but he is the messenger. He says, who are you? They say, who are you? Why are you doing these things? Tell us. We need, to, we need to know. And he says, I am a voice. I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Now look at, look at that in your, in your scripture journal or in your Bible. And, and, and I want you to circle that, that, that term. I want you to circle in, in verse, 20, uh, verse 23. He says, I am the voice. Circle the voice on that where it says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. And we need to understand something about the voice. Because, you know, I, I, I don't, there's parts of me that really doesn't like bringing up Greek because I don't want you to feel like you, like, 
like, you know, I don't know Greek, so I don't understand the Bible. No, we, we've, trust me, we've got an understanding. We have been given great tools. The Word of God is accessible to all of us. But we do need to understand a little bit of what's happening with the original language there. And the important thing there, the interesting thing there, is that when it says, I am the voice, he really is, that's not a definite article. Like, we don't read that as, I am the voice. You know what I'm talking about? There's a difference between the voice and the voice, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like the TV show, right? The voice. They're talking about the voice, the God, the one person. He's not saying, I am the one God. I'm not the man. I am just the man. I'm just the man that's, that's that's carrying this message. We could easily read that. And, in fact, Isaiah translates it that. We read in our translation of Isaiah 40, he says, a voice. And one word can make a whole difference for us. It makes all the difference in the world. Because when we read that and understand and we interpret that and believe that John is saying, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, then we believe and we start thinking that, well, I'm not the guy, so I really can't do anything. I'm not the man. I'm not the woman that's going to do these. I'm not, I don't have that calling. I'm not that person. And we easily begin to exclude ourselves, right? We easily begin to take ourselves out and say, well, I'm just not that person. I just, I'm just not the guy. Well, no, what John is really saying, who you are, who he is, he's saying, look, I'm, I'm a, a voice. I'm just a voice. I'm just one voice crying out in the wilderness. Look at verse 23. He says, I am the voice of one, of one, just one person crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. You see, we would rather it be the voice, the definitive voice. We'd rather it be the definitive article because then we can exclude ourselves from the equation, right? Then we can take ourselves out. Well, see, I'm not the guy, so it's not really for me. No, we need to understand what, what disciples of Jesus know. They know who they are, and they know that we are all called to be a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. We are all called as a voice. The voice is me, and the voice is you that goes out declaring who we are. We're not the Messiah. We're not the Savior. But can I tell you who we are? Every one of us can do that. They go on and they ask him, then why are you doing If you're not the guy, if you're not the Messiah, if you're not the prophet or Elijah, then why are you doing these things? Look at verse, look at verse 25. It says, they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? Why are you doing these things? And John says, I ain't baptized with water. John answered, Am I baptized with water? But among you stands one you do not know. What's he saying? He's saying, Look, I'm just a voice, and I'm just using what's in front of me. I'm, just, I'm baptized with water, but there's someone else coming that's going to baptize with something far greater than what you ever could ever imagine. You see, he knows who he is, he knows that he's just a voice that's been given a gifting and a calling to go and do. And use what's in front of them. He says, I'm not the Messiah. I'm just a voice. I'm using what I have in front of me to help others see the message of the one. You see, it's not about John. John's saying, this isn't about me. 
This isn't about what I've got to do or what I'm gifted to do or what I'm called to do. This is about Jesus. And John knows who he is in Jesus. As a disciple of Jesus, John knew who he was. He knew he was a voice and he was given a message to go and to share. And it wasn't about him. It was all about Jesus. He knows that his hope is not in himself, but rather in Jesus. Because of this, he was okay not being special or something significant or anything major. You see, some of us, we look at it the way these Pharisees look. Well, if you're not that guy, then why are you even doing anything, right? We, approach, we, we can easily approach church and say, well, well, you know what, I'm not that leader. You know what, I'm not, I'm not that teacher. You know what, I'm, I'm not the pastor, so I can't do anything like that. No, catch what, catch what John is saying. John is saying that all of us are a voice and all of us are followers and all of us are not the Savior, but we know the Savior and we've been given an opportunity to go and use what's in front of us to further the kingdom of God. See, if we're waiting on a kingdom to be built by this position that I've stepped into or by the elders that serve and lead this church or by the Sunday school teachers and the small group leaders, if we're waiting on someone else to build it, then we're reading that as if they're the voice and we're not. And John says, no, each and every one of you are called to proclaim Jesus. You're not the Savior, but you know the Savior. You're not the Redeemer, but you know the Redeemer. And every one of us have been given that opportunity. It's not, there's nothing special about this particular position. No, God, I know God has called me to do this. I've devoted my life to do this for the rest of my life until he calls me home or someone takes me and sends me home. And can I just tell you, you are just, as necessary. Understand, catch, catch what I'm saying. Remember, you're not the Savior. You're not the Messiah. You're not, the, you're not the anyone special in the fact in and of ourselves. But we do know the one who is the Savior, who is the Messiah, who is the one who's given us this message. And every single one of us have been invited in to be a voice for that calling we can all be part of that. Why? Because we know who we are. We know what has been called. It's interesting. We got, we got to understand. It's interesting to note that actually if you go back and read the gospel accounts, if you go back and look at the gospel accounts that Jesus, that John was all about appointing people to Jesus, and he says, I'm not Elijah. But then Jesus in Matthew chapter 17 he says this, look at verse 12 and 13. He says, but I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Now wait a minute. John says he's not Elijah. Jesus says he is Elijah. Is this a contradiction? Are we, do we, are we just found a contradiction? That, well, we just can't trust the scriptures we can't trust. This is no contradiction in Scripture. This is simple understanding that John was good with not being exalted. John was totally good with understanding who he wasn't. 
and knowing who Jesus was to where he said, no, I don't have to be Elijah. Yeah, Jesus can declare that, and Jesus was right in that. And that doesn't make John wrong. John's focus was simply the fact that he says, I don't have to be Elijah, and I'm okay with that. I just want to be a voice. See, some of us are hoping that we get to be Elijah when, John, when Jesus has said, no, but you're a voice. Be a voice. Proclaim a message that declares who you are. John was good with not being exalted at all as long as Jesus was being exalted. Wouldn't you rather, wouldn't it be better for you for Jesus to speak our identity over us than for us to try to claim our own identity? Wouldn't it be better for us to, for Jesus to say, hey, you see that guy? He was Elijah, but he said he wasn't. That's okay. That's okay. He was, he was also one of the most humble guys. What did he say? I must, I must decrease and Jesus must what? Increase better for Jesus to speak that identity over us. You see, disciples of Jesus know who they're not. No other message answers the question who we are not. We are not the Savior. No other message answers the question who we are. We are ones who are called to point others to the Savior. And the only way we can do that is by making sure and understanding the answer to the third question, and that is who is Jesus? Disciples of Jesus know who Jesus is and proclaim it through a spirit-filled life. Look at verse 29 through 34 with me. It says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. There's that allusion back to the beginning of the book, beginning of the chapter, when it says he was in the beginning, he was there before all things were made. John is pointing back to that. He says, I myself did not know him, verse 31, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. You circle that word remained. If, you have, if you're writing in your scripture, circle that word remained. We're going to come back to that in a minute, but it's so important for us to understand. John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. There's that word again. You can circle it again in verse 33. He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. After that long discussion of who John was and who John was not, we, he gets to the point, we see this after that, after that conversation the next day, G, John sees Jesus and he says, hey, you remember that conversation that you heard me having with the Pharisees there? Let me tell you who I was talking about. And he says what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You were asking about me. They were asking about me. Let me tell you about him. He identifies who Jesus is based on what God has shown him. Understand this. This is not John again stepping in to a position that he's not. He's been given this by God. He says in verse 30, he says in verse 33, he says, I, this is one I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, that's referring to, to a message, a word that he got from God himself and says, this is the guy. 
God himself spoke to John, and John witnessed God's words coming through. And he declares and says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now that statement would carry great weight at that time. It, we, we, again, we get the idea of someone calling somebody a lamb, and we think of Mary had a little lamb. And we're like, oh, Jesus? I don't know if we want Jesus being a little lamb. Right? No, he says, behold the Lamb of God. For those people, when they heard that, that would have carried great weight, regardless of the time. But also know what's going on in this day, what's going on in this time frame. They're actually in the week of the Passover. This interaction and proclamation takes place just days before the celebration of the Passover when the Israelites would come together annually and they would remember the Exodus. They would remember the work that God did to bring them out of slavery. And what did they do? Every home would sacrifice a lamb. And for John the Baptist to declare that Jesus is the Lamb of God, I guarantee you their minds were going back to, wait a minute, you're saying that he's, is he that? Is he that? Is he that, is he that Lamb? Are you talking about that Lamb? Every year, every day, the priest would take two lambs and he would sacrifice that for the sins of the people. And so for John, to, for them to hear John say, that this is the Lamb of God, they understood that there were lambs of men that the men would bring, that the people would bring, but Jesus is declared to be the final Lamb, provided by God, not men, to be the perfect sacrifice, substitute, and satisfaction of God, who alone is able to take away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, we, catch this, we've got a, we've got a bad misunderstanding of what sin is we got a bad misunderstanding of what sin how we define sin and what we've done unfortunately is i believe many of us have broken down sin and think sin think about sin in regards to behavior when we sin it's because we did something wrong right we do that at the most basic core with our kids right you disobeyed you did something wrong and if we're not careful we can easily interpret that and think of sin in our own lives and think of what jesus came to do was to just take away the bad things that we did but the bible doesn't talk about sin in that light the bible doesn't talk about sin from that understanding colossians chapter 1 gives us a better perspective look at colossians chapter 1 beginning in verse 21 it says and you know and you and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. What we need to understand and what we need to be reminded of is that we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And that's a big difference. We don't, we're not sinners because we have sinned. We sin because we are sinners by nature and at heart. What we do doesn't determine who we are. Who we are is reflected in what we do. And Paul says in Colossians, he says, we were alienated. We were hostile in mind look at verse 21 and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds there's a progression there that says the hostile in mind the ones who were alienated they did the evil deeds 
They weren't doing evil deeds and therefore hostile in mind. No, the thought, the action flows from the thought and it comes from within. The deeds were flowing from our alienated and foreign identity. You see, we were created. We, we were meant to be someone. And in our sin, we didn't just separate ourselves because by in our actions. We alienated our identity. We were meant, we were created by God, and we were created for God. And the moment we sinned, the moment we became sinners, we lost our identity because our hope and our identity was found in Him. And now we cannot be with Him, and therefore we have no hope without without that being the source. So for John to declare, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus didn't come to take away our actions. Jesus came to point us back to who we are and to restore us as holy. He sacrificed himself and substituted and stood in our place when we should have been there, when I should have been there. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were what? Still sinners. Christ died for us. The Lamb of God stepped in to take away sin. To behold the Lamb of God is to see Jesus as the fulfillment of the law and prophets clarifying who we are. Are. We're not, we're not this, we need to be careful and not to just bring it down to just this idea of do's and don'ts because when we do that, we undoubtedly just set ourselves up with our own set of laws. And we forget that there's an identity that we're looking for. And if we're not careful, we can begin to identify our own, find our own identity in our own self. And what we either do is we either look at ourselves as better than we actually are or we look at ourselves as worse than we actually are. Well, I'm not as bad as this person, right? Yeah, I may have done this, I may have done that, but I'm not I'm not that person. And the one person we always go to is who? I'm not Adolf Hitler, right? None of us are Adolf Hitler in here, right? I hope not. But you know what Paul says? As one of the as the largest voice, single voice in the New Testament, you know what he says? He said, I'm I'm a blasphemer. I'm a persecutor. I'm a murderer. All that shed blood for Jesus. It wasn't about his actions. Some of us, we look down and we see ourselves and we go, I just can't be as good as that person. We have a lower self-view of ourselves and we, we give in to that understanding and says, you know what? I'm just never going to be good enough, so I might as well just live it up while I can. No, that, again, what we're doing is we're we're minimizing, and we're not seeing the real question. Jesus is the Lamb who doesn't just take away the sins of the world. He restores the identity of those who would believe in him. It's important to understand when he says this, catch what he didn't say. He didn't say, behold the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. 
He's talking about, he could have said with John speaking, John, it hadn't happened yet. John didn't fully understand it, so he could have easily said, Behold the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Or he could have wrote as the apostles writing you know, 20, 30, 40 years later down the road when he sa- and said, Behold the Lamb of God who did take away the sins of the world. No, he uses the perfect tense participle here. Where, and what I believe he's trying to encourage us in is to understand and never forget that Jesus has taken away the sins of the world. He continues to take away the sins of the world. And he will take away the sins of the world as long as we will trust and follow him. He's doing it. He did it then. He's doing it now. And he's going to continue to do this work. The church must never move away from the message, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because guess what? He's still taking away the sins of the world. As we trust in him more and more. He has paid the full price. He is the only hope to take away our sins. We don't have a cursing problem. We don't have a cursing problem per se. We don't have a drinking or a drug problem per se. And we don't have a cheating problem. And we don't have a gambling problem or anything. At the core and root, we have a heart problem. And the heart problem is that we are full of sin and can only be satisfied, and this sin can only be taken away by the perfect sacrifice, substitute, and satisfaction of the Lamb of God. Yes, we need, we need better marriages. We need, we need better families. We need better habits in our lives. We need better disciplines. But if we make that the end, missing the point. The point is, is that we are nothing without Christ. Only through the Lamb of God do we realize that we are not the Savior, we are the saved. And only through the Lamb of God do we realize that we are not the condemned, we are the redeemed. We are not the guilty, we are the blameless, we are not the alienated, we are the reconciled. And that only comes through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I will let that be my message from this day forth, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road. I will never stop proclaiming, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world because it is the only hope for you this side of eternity. And on the other side of eternity, it is only found in Jesus Christ. And the most beautiful thing is, is that he offers that to every single one of us. He offers that freedom. He offers that hope. He offers to take away our sin and give us a new identity right now to anyone and everyone. And when we understand that, we begin to see what the Christian life is really about. Also understand one thing real quick before we kept, before we before we begin wrapping up and we go into a time of, res- of response and reflection, catch also what John says. Not only are we continually having sin removed from us as, Je- as Jesus is, is, is continuing to, re- to remove, who ta- to continuing to take away the sins of the world, he is continuing to remove sin from our lives, but also catch that we are being empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
He says, I saw, verse 32, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Verse 33, he, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. This was key to the identification of the Messiah. The Spirit would come upon the prophets and prominent figures, but it would only be temporary. He would come upon them, but then he would leave after the task was completed. For the Spirit to descend and remain on Jesus gives us hope that when he promises that the Spirit will come to us, guess what? The Spirit will descend and remain on us, which empowers us to walk in freedom. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17 says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is a picture of what the Christian life is really like. Jesus continuing to take away the sins of the world as the Holy Spirit fills us and reminds us with, that the, Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and it reminds us over and over that when we believe, as, as we are reminded that we believe the truth, that the gospel becomes the focal point of everything that we do. It's the reason we do what we do. We don't do what we do just so we can check off a checklist and we can do more things to remind ourselves who Jesus is, to know Jesus, and to know who we are, and then go and proclaim others. This Christmas, can I just challenge us? We need to quit asking the question, have you been good? And just ask the question, do you know Jesus? It's the only gift that will truly last. Knowing salvation in Jesus, walking in salvation by the power of the Holy Spirit, that is a life we're called to live. So what do we do with this? We need to ask two questions. Two questions for this morning. Number one, who are you not that you're trying to be? Who are you not that you're trying to be? And number two, who are you that you have forgotten and need to be reminded today for the gospel? You see, the Lamb of God comes to take away the pretenses. It comes to take away the facades. It takes away, we don't have to play games anymore. We don't have to fool each other. Say, you know what, I'm fine. We definitely don't have to convince ourselves. We get in the Word to seek Jesus, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to worship Jesus, to make much of Jesus, to have our inner inward character formed by Jesus, as He continually forgives our sins and He continually removes the sin in our lives and the Spirit reimmerses us in the truth over and over and over again. How do we do that? We come and look to Jesus. That's our prayer this morning. That you would come and look to Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Stop trying to be your own Savior and let Jesus be the Savior of not just you, but of the entire world. He's got it under control. Let's pray. Father, you have shown us and you've reminded us who you are. You've reminded us who we are not. And God, as we look and see the hope that is found only in you, 
we position ourselves, God, help us position ourselves under the grace that flows so freely from the Lamb of God. God, we're not in charge of it ourselves. We're not. We're not the voice. We're not the God. We're not our own Savior. But we know the one who is. So, Father, my prayer is for us that not only in this Christmas season, but from this day forward, that you would stir in the hearts of your people here to come and adore and to proclaim Jesus. We know who we're not. We're not the Savior, but we know the one who is. We know who we are. We are the ones whom you've come to die and to reconcile. We are the alienated. We were the hostile. But you have reconciled us. You've made right that relationship. You being the sacrifice, being the substitute, being the satisfaction that was required. You've invited us now. Father, anyone in this room that doesn't know you, that doesn't have that relationship with you, they're trying their best to be their own Savior. They're trying their best to do it on their own. God, remind them and show them who For any of us that we need to to let go of some of that, lay some of that down. Now some of us, we need to pick up who we are. We need to be reminded who we are. We're not the Savior, but we are the saved. We're not the Redeemer, but we are the redeemed. We're no longer guilty. We're no longer condemned. We have been justified and made right and invited into the, a, a life that walks in the power of the Holy Spirit remaining with us, dwelling in us forever and ever. God, you have spoken life and identity into us. When we know that, I pray that we would proclaim that to others. Nothing about us, all about you. Be glorified now. Work in our hearts and in our lives. We honor you.